The Dallas Stars are in a fight for first place. The Edmonton Oilers are on a roller coaster ride, while the Columbus Blue Jackets are looking for hope for the future. We've got all that and a lot more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Stars, Dane Lewis. And Dane, first place right now in the Central Division, but it's a real dogfight. Talk to me about what's been helping the Stars be so successful lately because, you know, they pulled out a a pretty important win Saturday in overtime. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the the term right there. Very crucial win for the team on Saturday night in Seattle. And this team has kind of gone through a little bit of a rejuvenation offensively the month of February. While it was a lot of home games for the Stars, their offense really struggled at times where they were only scoring one or two goals a game. The power play couldn't really get going, and it was really just the Stars having to rely on Jake Ottinger to win games, and sometimes that worked, and sometimes you play really good teams like the Boston Bruins uh, or you know the Carolina Hurricanes, teams like that, and as good as your goaltender might be, they're not going to be able to stop you know some of the best players in the NHL, but now the offense has finally started to roll a little bit again. We saw on Thursday night the Stars put up 10 goals in Buffalo against the Sabres, so I know that's kind of how the Sabres are this year, where they can score a lot, but they give up a lot. And even in Seattle, I mean, getting, uh, what was it, four goals in that game as the road team is pretty important and very important win in terms of the standings and uh, the race for the division and the race for the Western Conference. But that's game two uh, of what is six on the road straight for the Stars. So they still have four more away from home up in the Pacific Northwest. And so pretty important win. And this team seems to kind of be hitting their stride offensively and hopefully they're doing it at the right time where by the time the playoffs roll around that they won't skip a beat and they'll be able to still produce those goals. I know games get a lot tighter. The scoring tends to go down a little bit in the playoffs, but I think with this team and the players they have right now that are catching fire, like Rope Hints, uh, Mason Marchment is finally starting to get on a roll again. I think this team is looking in a good spot in terms of uh, the race for the division and especially the West. If they can get that one seat out West, and make you know the road to the Stanley Cup Finals go through Dallas, I think they're going to be in a really good spot come playoff time. Yeah, always helps to have home ice advantage. We're 10 days past the trade deadline. How have some of the Stars' trade deadline acquisitions helped this team? What are their contributions? Yeah, well, the Stars weren't necessarily the busiest team at the deadline, but I think they made very meaningful moves. They got Evgeny Dodonov from Montreal. Uh, and they got Max Domi from Chicago, who is a guy that I've really wanted the Stars to pursue for the past few months. I know Patrick Kane was in those discussions, and just with the cap space and the, you know, what he had left to offer, which was good, but a lot of questions concerning his health. I really thought that Domi was the the safe bet with only a three million dollar cap hit, having one of his best seasons of his career, and so far he's really paid off for the team. Uh, people who were watched or watched the highlights of that Dallas and Seattle game. He played a huge role in the overtime period with that saucer pass to Miro Haskin in for the win. And it's just little plays like that. Things that Max Domi does with the puck 
he, he's very smart with it. He's, he knows when to hold on to it, and he knows when to let it go. He knows when to shoot, and I think players that play with him benefit from that, whether it is Tyler Sagan or, in that case, it was Miro Haskinen because it was three-on-three overtime. But he, he just has an IQ and a vision that not many other players on the team possess, and he also kind of brings that grit and energy uh, just like his dad, Ty Domi, did back in the day when he was in the league. And so he's a really fun player to watch. I think he blends well with this locker room, both in terms of skill, but also personality. And Evgeny did on off the same way. I think he has a really nice playmaking ability where he can score, but he plays alongside Jamie Benn and the rookie Wyatt Johnston. And they they formed a really good chemistry where all three of those guys are a threat to shoot, but they're all kind of under the same boat of looking to make a pass first and they'll shoot if they're open. And I think that that's a really good attribute for those three to have and a really, really good trade deadline for the Stars is they get both of those players, they add some depth to the forward ranks, and they didn't really have to give up too much. They give up Denis Gurionov, Anton Hudobin, uh, and a second-round pick in 2025. So they still keep their key prospects. And, and you know, they, they've given up a few draft picks in this year's draft, but I, I think the team is still looking good in terms of uh, future capital in draft and prospects and things of that nature. Yeah, you know, it's it's not always important to make headlines at the trade deadline. It's important to fill in the needs that your team has. And I think Dallas did a good job of that. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, when we look back at this season, people are going to ask who won the Stanley Cup, not who won the trade deadline. So sometimes those teams, those things can go together. I mean, there's a good chance that, you know, a team out east that makes the Stanley Cup finals made some good moves at the deadline. But I, I think that's kind of where the stars are at is they liked their group and they just needed a few depth pieces to to really bolster that roster. And Jim Neal was able to go out and do that. And so I think Stars fans are happy with where this team's at right now. And as as we've established, they've looked good on this road trip and they're continuing to compile points and stay very much alive in the race for the West. A little bit of a scary moment earlier this week for Tyler Sagan. He had to leave the game. I believe it was Thursday with a, a took a skate to the leg. Talk to me about his status how long may he be out and what are the stars going to do to adjust while he's out of the lineup? Yeah, very scary moment for sure. And especially a guy like Tyler Sagan, who's already been through so many injuries back in the bubble uh, just a few years ago when the stars went to the Stanley Cup final. And so it's, I mean, you hardly ever see a, a player like him leave the ice on their own accord and say, hey, I need to be out. And yeah, it's a lower body injury. He's been stitched up, uh, had a cut on his left leg. And so there's obviously needing to be some time to heal there. And with stitches, you definitely don't want to rush back and risk re-injury or opening up the wound because that could lead just to a whole other set of problems, not just in terms of Tyler Sagan not playing, but for his long-term health. And so for the best betterment of him, I hope he's able to fully recover and get back to being himself, whether that's you know the last few games of the regular season or if that's waiting for the playoffs, which I don't think we'll have to wait that long. The last I saw, he was technically listed as day-to-day. Uh, I, I can't imagine he comes back on the six-game road trip. If he does, maybe at the very end. Uh, I think the Stars are in Calgary for their last game uh, near the end of the month of March. But I, I don't necessarily see him coming back anytime soon. I don't think they want to rush it. They want to make sure he's okay. And, and the nice part is the Stars do have some pretty good depth uh, with the team now with you know guys like Dodonoff and Domi on the team. And you have guys like Ty Delandria. Uh, and right now they have Freddie Olofsson, who's Spent the majority of the season in the American Hockey League with the Texas Stars, but he's kind of been one of the go-to guys for this team that when someone gets hurt or when someone's down, they can call him up. He's a he's a 26-year-old who made his NHL debut this season. So an older player, I guess technically a rookie, but a, a guy who's played a ton of professional hockey. And while he's typically relegated to the fourth line, can certainly hold his own. Not necessarily a goal scorer, but 
a guy who can play alongside your fourth line checkers like Roddick Foxa, Ty Delandria, whoever, whoever you really need to play alongside. And he's looked pretty good so far. So I think the team is going to be okay as of right now. And they'll find a way to manage until Tyler Sagan's able to come back. Yeah, always you know, those twenty-six-year-old rookies were always hungry when they finally get their opportunity, yes. and that's that's always good to see. Dane, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Yeah, they can find me on social media on Twitter, just at Dane Double Underscore Lewis, and you can find the podcast as well, Locked On Stars. Just search the show name. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and you, that, same for the podcast as well. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google, all of the places that you get your podcast at. And also uh, on Tuesday's editions of Locked On NHL with Brett Holden for Western Conference. So well, I'm sure on Tuesday we'll be talking about the playoff picture and and things like that as we you know head down the final few weeks of the season. Always look forward to seeing you there. And uh, Dane, thanks so much for doing this. Yep. Thanks, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to find one supplement that would meet all my nutritional needs. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging all these things and it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto paleo vegan dairy free or gluten free right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health and to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It is my pleasure to welcome back a familiar face to Locked On NHL viewers and a familiar voice for listeners, the host of Locked On Edmonton Oilers, Brett Holden. And, and Brett, what's with this roller coaster ride recently for this team? Oh yeah, roller coaster ride is certainly a way to put it. You get the highs of beating the Boston Bruins at home, being the first team to do it after trailing after 20, trailing after 40, heck, allowing the first goal of the game. And then you go in Toronto and you just go, it was ugly. And it, it kind of started off the same way that the, the Boston Bruins game uh, started off as well, where the Oilers kind of not necessarily dominated against the Toronto Maple Leafs to start off the game, but they weren't out of the game where uh, against the Boston Bruins, they attacked, they were dominant in the first couple of minutes. And then one of the first shots of the game gets through Stuart Skinner. And one of those shots that are goals that you want back as a goaltender, you sit there and you go, <sighs> as a fan or as somebody who's watching this team, you go, if only you get that one save, this would be a, a different story. And that seemed to be the theme throughout the rest of not only the game against Toronto, but so far the season for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, the inconsistency, especially on defense, does seem to be a, a bit of a problem. How do the moves that the Oilers made near the trade deadline, you know, how are they working out and how did they hope to address some of those issues. Yeah, I'm trying to look at my notes here because uh, Matthias Ekholm, 
I'm finding my notes from from uh, the last time I talked about this defense, which is quite often. Matthias <laughs> Ekholm has been an absolute gem for the Edmonton Oilers, and more specifically for Evan Bouchard. So far over the last couple of uh, games for the Edmonton Oilers at, with Matthias Ekholm, that pairing has basically become the Edmonton Oilers' top pairing over the last couple of weeks and or last yeah a couple of weeks I guess and not necessarily you see the numbers and they're always out there against the top uh, guys on the opposition that's still Nurse and CC for right now but the elevation of the minutes for both uh, Evan Bouchard and Matthias Ekholm and consistently playing top minutes has been fantastic to the point where Evan Bouchard has been able to step out of his comfort zone of sorts he was able to score his first goal in 43 games just being able to jump more into place and also be more physical in his back end so since the acquisition of Matthias Ekholm the Edmonton Oilers have also deployed the 12-6 as opposed to the 11-7 forward to defense uh that they normally run with Philip Broberg actually being the healthy scratch and uh, Vincent DeHarnay being the player who's playing more and more and more, the big six foot seven defenseman who can move better than most people think. Uh, unfortunately, got a slash on the hand from John Tavares the other day or last night or on Saturday, excuse me, against the uh, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And John Tavares did get a fine for that. But uh, just those little things that the Edmonton Oilers haven't been able to do. And I'm not saying necessarily, oh, get a fine for the other team. But the reason, the root of that came from a battle out front, being hard to play against in his own end. And that has been the new theme for the Edmonton Oilers since Matthias Ekholm has come into this team. And, and he's a plus seven in five games. And when you take into consideration giving up seven goals to Toronto, that's pretty darn impressive. Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. And it, what's been very impressive for Oilers fans is seeing the offensive uptick that you see from Matias Ekholm. You hear the the defensive notes on this guy, and you know what you're getting out of him. But then he scored his first goal only 22 seconds after the Leafs scored their uh, goal in the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs game. He uh, first game with the Edmonton Oilers, he got an assist. So he's consistently being better in his own end and making the Oilers better in their own end, but also making the offensive touches for the Edmonton Oilers that a lot of people didn't expect. Yeah, no question about that. You mentioned offensive touches. Let's talk a little Connor McDavid. What can this guy not do? Because uh, the numbers just keep looking better and better. Do you have a, a an estimate? Like what, what is your educated guess as to how many points he'll finish this season with? Points? <laughs> I could see over 160 i could see over 160 150 seems obviously it's it's right there but down the stretch for the edmonton oilers the way that connor mcdavid consistently turns it on it late in the season, you see just the bunches of points in the last 20 games of his uh, season each and every year I could see him just continuing that, and especially with how good this Oilers team has been. Heck, sometimes the Oilers beat the Boston Bruins without a point from Connor McDavid. The Edmonton Oilers still have to play the Anaheim Ducks, the San Jose Sharks. Sorry, guys, but that's going to be a pretty nasty game for Connor McDavid if, if when they face off. I can genuinely see upwards of over 160 points. 
which yeah, is and, disgusting. <laughs> and that's, yeah, and that, you're getting into, you know, Gretzky and Phil Esposito territory and, uh, you know, pretty, pretty impressive uh, numbers for sure. Yeah. So, look, the Oilers in a very big dogfight for playoff position right now. What are the keys for this team? You got about, what, 15, 16 games left. What do they need to do better in order to nail down a playoff spot and maybe even home ice advantage in that first round? Well, the first thing had been that play in the Edmonton Oilers' own zone, in their D zone, and that has been steadily getting better, and they can't get away from that. Yes, they have upgraded and been better and progressed, but it needs to continue to develop and progress for the Edmonton Oilers. That would be the first thing, but it starts in goal for the Edmonton Oilers. Stuart Skinner has played really well, and especially, again, I keep referencing that Boston Bruins game, but that was a real statement win for the Edmonton Oilers, as we've seen all across the, the social media talking about the Edmonton Oilers and the Boston Bruins, and this was a big win. And the reason why the Edmonton Oilers won is, yes, Stuart Skinner did allow that weak goal at the start and the end of the first period. But after that, he went 18 for 18, stopped 26 shots of the 28 fired towards him in that game. And he was steady. And the rest of the team in front of him looked like a totally different team. The game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, Stuart Skinner was playing really good hockey until that giveaway from Ryan McLeod. And then it all started to unfold for the Edmonton Oilers or unravel for the Edmonton Oilers. When he is playing well, when the Oilers goaltending is well playing well, the players in front of them are playing well. So it all starts from the back going up to... And again, that's not necessarily any, a real revelation if you've watched this Edmonton Oilers team. You know that. But it's still the, the underlying note still here. And... Jack Campbell had a really good stretch in February and late January. Now he's unfortunately fallen back to his early season uh, uh, form, and it's unfortunate to see right now. So the Oilers are riding Skinner, but hopefully the Oilers can get form out of both of them down the stretch here. Well, we'll see. That is obviously going to be very important. Fingers crossed, as I see you <laughs> doing. So that's very understandable. Brett, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast? where they can find you on social media and when you'll be here on this show. Yes, you can find me personally at the real Holden 40. That's four zero. That includes Twitter, Instagram. Heck, I'm pretty sure I have my Spotify playlist at the real Holden 40. Really good music over there. Don't worry about me. You don't care about me. You care about the Oilers and you can find locked on Oilers at locked on Oilers on Twitter. Exactly how it sounds. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube yet, what are you doing? You get to see vintage Matthew get on jerseys. Yes. I have a Matthew get on Jersey. Got it at a locker room sale. Chill out everybody, but you can also find me on locked on NHL on Tuesdays for Western conference Tuesdays with me and Dane from locked on stars. We always have fun retired though. We always talked about trades and now there's no trades to talk talk about so i guess we're gonna have to talk about the product on the ice now <laughs> there you go a, a new challenge right yeah. for, the, for the stretch drive Brad, <laughs> always a pleasure thank you so much for stopping by absolutely thank you today's episode is brought to you by built bar if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories then you've got to try a built bar what makes built bars so good well for starters they're all covered in 100 real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like peanut butter brownie, churro, coconut almond, or my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And not just 
is the taste great? But listen to these macros. Each bar averages just 130 calories and just four grams of sugar while packing a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now you could still go to built.com and have built bars ordered and delivered directly to your door. But now you could pick them up in person if you need some right away. Just go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club to get built bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. You can thank me later. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Blue Jackets, Jay Foster. And Jay, uh, I know it hasn't been the easiest season for the Blue Jackets, but it's coming to an end. And get, let's let's start with this. Give me a bright side from this season, something that Blue Jackets fans can say was a positive so far. Yeah. I mean, like, the thing is, I've kind of reached this weird zen with the games now because i'm like okay if we win then i get to enjoy a win if we lose then we are you know one step closer to that number uh, first overall pick which you know the last time the blue jackets picked first overall was i want to say 2001 or 2002 and it was the rick nash right uh draft pick you know so it's been a minute um in terms of like the bright side of this season i think it's been seeing so many young players kind of find their feet, get their start in the NHL. Like Kent Johnson just hit 30 points a couple of uh, couple of games ago. Kuro Marchenko has 16, goal, 16 goals in like his first 40 NHL games or something bananas like that. Um, you know, they've seen a lot of good young players kind of find their, find their feet. And, you know, uh, Tim Burney is now playing top line minutes. And before this season, like, I don't think anyone, like, I don't think Blue Jackets fans really knew who Tim Burney was, you know. So it's been, it's been fun to see that like the injuries have been rough it's been a very long season but getting to see these young players get their chance to you know make their nhl debuts and to stick in the lineup and to really kind of succeed through adversity has been really fun goaltending has been an issue all season and there have been injuries there as well where is the team as far as goaltending is concerned and and your thoughts on uh, how tarasov has looked so far I have had absolutely no problems with Daniil Tarasov this season. I think considering this is his rookie season in North America, um, he has been good. Uh, I don't think he's been great, but he has been good. The team around him has generally been pretty terrible. So, you know, he hasn't got a whole lot of wins, but he has pretty good stats. I think he's looked really good. I think the Blue Jackets have a real kind of hidden gem with with Tarasov. Um Beyond that, it's kind of a big question. Like, obviously, with Corpusalo going to Los Angeles, um, the Blue Jackets didn't really have anyone that could play behind Elvis Muslikens. They ended up getting um, Jonathan Quick from the Kings, who they then flipped for Michael Hutchinson, who has not been very good uh, for the Blue Jackets thus far. Again, I feel like probably because he's playing behind a, a not great defense, but it's kind of been a... I was like, okay, who is even gonna, who is gonna back Elvis up this season? Turns out it's Michael Hutchinson. Um, Elvis is away from the team at the minute due to personal reasons. Uh, as I understand it, his grandmother in Latvia is uh, very ill, so he has left the team to uh, travel back to Latvia. So at the minute, the Blue Jackets are running with Michael Hutchinson and Neil Tarasov, uh, and I have a lot more faith in one of those guys than the other. However, as I'm sure you know, veterans always get the benefit of the doubt. So I imagine we'll be seeing a lot more of Michael Hutchinson and a lot less of Daniil Tarasov, which really I feel like it should be the other way around. But it uh, 
it has not been an auspicious start to Michael Hutchinson's CBJ career. I assume he is gone at the end of the season and the Billy Jackets will kind of figure out what they want to do with goaltending in the future. But I think Daniil Tarasov has been a real... And he's another one of those young players that kind of it's been so exciting to see him kind of turn up. And he's not been very good in the AHL, but he has been, I think, quite good in the NHL, which is very exciting. And a little unusual, to say the least. Here we are. uh, There's about a month left in the season. Talk to me about what kind of a season Johnny Goudreau has had and what impact he's had on the Blue Jackets this year so far. I have zero issues with what Johnny Goudreau has done this season. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting another kind of hundred and was it 115 points he had last season. Um, but he was playing with uh, Matthew Kachuk, who obviously, as we've seen, has gone on to have kind of an MVP caliber season in Florida. Um, and so I think Goudreau has not been the superstar that I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. I think he's been very, very good. He's got, I think, what, 55 points in 60, 62 games or something like that, which is, like, I'm I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, I would like, to, he's been quiet recently. I would like to see him kind of show up on the score sheet a little bit more, but he's been up and down. He's not been up and down the lineup. He's had a lot of different line mates. Um you know, it's tough to build chemistry. He's new to the team. Uh, this is about as good as I was expecting from from Goudreau. Uh, I imagine he will be much better next season, especially if the Blue Jackets manage to get him a real number one center to play with. Has he been happy in Columbus? I, I, obviously, a big adjustment for him, a, a big splash made in the offseason. How has he been uh, at least psychologically, you know, being on this team that has struggled all year. I mean, I think it's, it's, he's never going to go out there and be like, man, I really made a mistake. I should have signed in New Jersey or I should have stayed in uh, Calgary. But as far as I can tell, he loves it in Columbus. Like, yeah, the team is struggling, but it seems like it's a pretty good group of guys. Like the atmosphere in the locker room, I think is pretty good. Um, They've gotten rid of a lot of what I would call like problem players over the past couple of seasons. Um, like I don't think the vibes are great in Columbus right now because it's tough when the team is struggling. But I think it's, you know, he he's happy to be here. He likes it here. Um, you know, his wife likes it here by all accounts. Columbus is a great city. It's close enough that the family can come and visit. Like they've had uh, his parents have been to a bunch of Blue Jackets games, but it's not so close that, you know, they're knocking down the door to come for dinner every other night. So uh, as far as I can tell, and, you know, everything he said, he doesn't he doesn't regret the choice to sign in Columbus. Would he have liked this season to be a little bit better? Uh, almost definitely. But, you know, like, I think that's... Everyone wants their team to succeed, you know? Um, and I think he understands that there's been inconsistencies. People have been injured. You know, it's, it's not been an ideal season for basically anyone. Um but I, I think he's excited about the future. Um, he's got nothing but good things to say about, you know, the younger players that he's been playing with. Kent Johnson specifically, he's got nothing but good things to say about Kirill Marchenko, who's been playing on his line for a little while. So I think next season it's going to be, we're going to see a big bounce back from, from Johnny Gaudreau. Um, and I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Well, looking forward to that. And maybe, just maybe, Connor Bedard will be joining the Blue Jackets. We have to wait and see about that. Jay, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? 
Uh, yeah, so you can find me at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. I will be yelling indiscriminately about hockey or Star Wars or um, I've been posting some dog pictures recently, if that's the kind of thing that you're into. Uh, you can find the podcast at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. We are on every podcasting app of choice. We are on YouTube. Uh, wherever you get Locked On NHL, uh, Locked On Blue Jackets can also be found there. All right, Jay, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, I want to thank my guest, Dane Lewis of Locked On Stars, Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets, and Brett Holden of Locked On Oilers. I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday, and I also co-host the Friday edition of Locked On NHL with Rachel Donner, and I also, of course, am on Locked On Islanders every Monday through Friday. We are here every day at Locked On NHL with the biggest stories from around the league, so join us then. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.